why he started his own label group, why a lot of music today does not have any staying power, how to write songs that actually last, and how he got to start feeling aligned with his work, and so much more. This is episode number 293 with singer-songwriter Anthony Parker, aka Wordsmith. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I'm here because you want to become the best version of yourself, but there are so many things that you need to do in order to get there. And because it's overwhelmingly complicated, it's easy to lose focus, easy to lose a sense of direction, which is why so many people fall short of their true potential. But that's why I create videos, podcasts, and fitness programs to keep you on track to your best you. Go to nickcarrier.com to learn more. Anthony Parker, who you'll hear me refer to as Wordsmith from here on out, is a Baltimore-based songwriter, performer, entrepreneur, and philanthropist. His music has been featured in hit shows like Russian Doll on Netflix, Preacher on AMC TV, on ESPN, and WWE programming. Wordsmith's partnership with the U.S. Department of State has sent him to 11 countries over the past four years to hold major concerts and anti-bully and hip-hop history workshops for underprivileged youth. His nonprofit, Rise With A Purpose Incorporated, is currently raising funds for a consistent music school in Baltimore City, while his work as a cultural ambassador to Kids Connection Haiti and Project Place bring attention to fighting homelessness. Before diving into the episode, be sure to follow me on Instagram at carrier underscore best you and follow him at wordsmith music and let us know what you think about the episode. But without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only wordsmith. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I am super stoked today to have the one and only Wordsmith, uh, Anthony Parker, with me today. Uh, Wordsmith, I just want to start by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Uh, thank you so much as well, and I look forward to having a great podcast with you. Yeah, man, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. So like we, I just mentioned, I got introduced to you through your brother, and I was on uh, his podcast not so long ago, and I actually uh, listened to... The, uh, his podcast with you um, on it, uh, which was awesome. It, it was cool, cool hearing brothers and stuff on uh, discussing discussing different things and in, in real life and, and some of the experiences they've they've had together and how much you guys both respect each other. So that was really cool. But uh, to introduce you a little bit further, uh, you're a Baltimore-based songwriter, performer, entrepreneur, and philanthropist. Uh, your music has been featured in hit shows like Russian Doll on Netflix, Preacher, AMC, ESPN and WWE programming, and you've released five albums uh, over your career, and you've become a Grammy voting member and earned winner of Best Rap Hip Hop Album for Perspective Jukebox at the 16th Independent Music Awards. But the way I want to start today, uh, Wordsmith, is that back in 2009, you opened your independent label, uh, New Revolution Entertainment. Um, I just kind of want to know, like, how did that come about? Like, what led you to opening up your own label? Uh, well, I mean, I had a couple experiences with major labels with Universal Music Group and Sony where deals didn't pan out. One deal, they decided they didn't want me, which was fine. Uh, another deal, I decided not to take it just because I felt like I was giving up too much of my rights. And after those two experiences, I just decided, you know, for me, my personal experience, the type of music I want to put out, which is message driven and I like to impact people. I said I'm better off just being independent where I can put out what I want to put out. But also, you know, I'm big on helping others, you know, realize their passion and other, you know, creating opportunities for other musicians, because this is probably one of the riskiest professions you could have because there's no blueprint. You know, every right. artist's blueprint is different. There are certain things you can do, of course, to be successful. But 
everybody reaches their level of success through different means. So building my label, not just for me, but just to give me the means to provide those opportunities for other musicians that may not see a way. Yeah, like you said, there is zero blueprint. There, There's not like a step-by-step thing. It's not like a corporate ladder. It's like not this job and then that job and then that job um, and specific skill sets and stuff. And I, I know that one of the things that you know, you try to do personally is you try to find your unique voice and trying to find a way to, to, to stand out personally. So talk a little bit about that, like, and how you how you went about early on in your career, finding what your unique voice is, and then trying to magnify that uniqueness, if you will. I think early on in my career, I wasn't being true to who I was inside. I've always been a, a caring person, someone to look out for people, but my music didn't really match that. I cursed a lot of my music early on, and I don't have anything against that, but I wasn't really talking about anything. I wasn't talking about the way I was truly living. And it wasn't until, you know, I took that step back and I said, you know, what type of artist do I want to be? You know, how do I want my music to impact my listeners? Do I want to just make throwaway music that, you know, I'll be done and gone in two to three years? Or I want to make music that even if I never become a big star, my music will live on and have a legacy because of the content, you know, in it. So when I reached that point where I said, you know, I really need to write about what I know, which is blue collar music, everyday hardworking, uh, living, single parent homes, parents that are barely making enough to uh, put food on the table. You know, just everyday struggles and everyday successes that everyday people can relate to. And that's what my music embodies uh, every day. And so what I found when I started getting feedback, you know, from supporters, they talked about how my music motivated them and gave them a different perspective on life where they were like, man, you know, X and X song. I can relate to that. I'm going through that. Or I know someone that's going through that. And, you know, that was real powerful for me to hear. And it told me that, hey, you know, I love music. I need to make music that definitely impacts people. But more than anything, my music is here to engage my community and and also just help the youth be productive members of society as well. I love that, man. I think I think there's something really big in there. You said you felt like the music that you were making wasn't aligning with necessarily who you truly are and, and like some of the message, messages that you stand for. And I think a lot of people are, are experience similar things in regards to what they're doing doesn't necessarily align with who they are and what they want to be doing. And, they're, and they're, they don't feel like what they're doing aligns with what their purpose should be in life. So what kind of gave you that realization of like, this isn't like, this isn't aligned with my true self. The music I'm, I'm doing right now isn't what I need to be doing. I need to pivot right here. Like what gave you that realization to, to start doing it more aligned with who you truly were? I think two things. I wouldn't always feel good after I was done recording a song. Mm-hmm. And two, again, I wasn't getting the, the feedback I wanted. I almost felt, I just felt like another artist in the pack. You know what I mean? Rather than separating myself and being the unique person that I am and the unique person that we all are, you know, when you're being yourself, you're already making yourself special because we're, we're not all born the same. And so as long as you can accept that, Hey, I may not sound, I may not look like the next person, but just accept that that's what makes you special. You know, that you are different. And when I was able to have that acceptance of how I sounded on the mic, my appearance, how I looked, And of course, my message, all three of those things lined up. It made sense to me because I said, all right, anytime I'm writing something, I'm writing with a purpose. You know, I never write anything without a concept or I never write anything unless there's some inspiration behind it. 
And so I really try to concentrate on making music that has a double impact. One, you can bob your head to my music no matter what time of day it is, but also my music is also for deep thinkers, people that want to get an extra message out of hearing music or people who need advice. You can listen to my music and just get advice as well. So just that human connection was really, really big to me. Mm, Yeah. And and I can't wait to kind of dive into how you go about writing some stuff here in a minute. But I think that you know, on the same topic of in regards to like figuring or, or trying to figure out what your, your 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 uniqueness is, excuse me, and then kind of like really go down that lane and be okay with with being different and standing out from the crowd. Did you start to face any kind of I don't know if criticism is the right word or backlash because you know like a lot of people will start start to do their own thing. They'll they'll quit their job and go form a company or maybe they'll stop doing what everybody else sounds like in music and they'll create their own sound and they'll get be like what do you, why are you doing this? Like why are you doing that? Like everybody else is doing this. Like did you get that kind of feedback and if so, how did you deal with that? Uh, I know definitely the path I've taken is I don't want to use the word setback, but I knew doing music with a message, positive, talking about politics, everyday life wasn't always what's popular, you know, here in America. And I understood that. And I said, hey, you know, doing this type of music, I'm pretty much telling myself that I probably won't reach this superstar status. But I've never been in it for that. You know, I'm in it for the impact, what my music can help others do. And uh, so I knew going down this path, I get this question sometimes when I do workshops and classes, especially in other countries, will really accept my music more, to be honest, because I've found in Europe and Africa and some of these other countries out here, they really listen to what you have to say and they take it to heart. And once they're a fan of yours, they're a fan of yours for the pretty much the rest of your life. We're here in America. We can be kind of real finicky. We can like an artist and then we don't like an artist and then we can like an artist. You know, we're just kind of back and forth. And uh, so I just knew taking this route, it would come with some sacrifice with my career. But I tell you what, um, I live a good life. I support my family off of my music. I've been doing this for many years. I've driven a path for many other artists to create income for themselves as well. And, uh, you know, today to have my own business, have my own nonprofit, the only thing I don't have is I just don't have a bunch of Pavarazzi following me around, (laughs) which I don't care to have. I love living a regular life and just doing my music when the time comes, you know? Yeah, man, that's awesome. I don't think, uh, I think most people would uh prefer not to have the paparazzi i think they think they they want it until they have it and then it's and then it gets uh sick pretty quickly um one of the things that i was kind of fascinated about because i've thought i've thought about it before i was fascinated when i was listening to the podcast with you and your brother and you guys were talking about how kind of a lot of people and music nowadays just do like quick hit songs and maybe they're big for a little bit of time, but they don't have any staying power. They don't have any lasting power. And it's funny because I've thought about, you know, when I, when I go to restaurants or when I go to baseball games or when I go to just like a a lot of different places, the music that is being played is from music from sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, like not the music isn't from the, maybe like some two thousands, but not like the 2010s and stuff. And so I always have conversations with people. like, what do, what do we think is going to be, like when we're parents, when we're 20, 30, 40 years down the road, what's the music going to be? Is it still going to be that stuff or is there other stuff going to, that's going to come around or is there anything right now that's going to have that lasting power? So talk a little bit kind of to that and, and why does some of the older music have maybe some more staying power than maybe some of the current music does? 
Uh, there's a few reasons for it. You know, one, I think some of the older music is some of what I talked about is it's music about real life, whether it's you going through situations with love, you losing love, losing a lost one, celebrating a birthday, celebrating getting a promotion or a good time. Again, these are all topics that are, I mean, heck, going to the car wash, any of these things are all everyday blue collar things that all of us people do. Uh, the second thing I think is just the quality of the music uh, back then, not technology-wise wasn't higher, but the way the product was delivered was delivered with so much more passion and care. Where right now, because we have technology, it almost opened the floodgates that anybody can just get on a laptop and create a song, which I think has had a good and bad effect. Third, music-wise, a lot of that music from back in the day was made to stand the test of time. So they were making these songs knowing that when my child, who's maybe three years old right now, is going to know this song when he's 30. Yeah. And for example, it's like my kids, when a song comes on a restaurant, like you said, Nick, when my kids can say, oh, that's so-and-so. And I'm like, man, that came out of 1985. Yeah. That's staying power right there. They may not know the artist to a high level, but they can be like, I know this song because you've heard it enough in malls or on the radio from time to time or someone was playing it by chance or one of your parents were playing it. You hear it. A lot of the music now is it's literally just fast food. It's yeah. it's hot for this time in the, in a moment in time and that's it. And that's how to me music is made. And that's why you have so much music that sounds similar. I mean, especially in hip hop, not knocking artists. I, I want to see everybody successful if you're passionate about something. But it's hard to tell some of these artists apart now because a lot of them just sound the same because it's a formula that everybody's doing and labels are encouraging them to do. Instead of labels saying, hey, we're trying to build your career 10 plus years out. Now I feel like they don't say anything to them. And in their mind, they're like, we're going to milk two to three good years out of this guy. He doesn't have anything else. He's not making legacy music. We don't care to have him make legacy music. Let's make this quick money and move on to the next. And that's what you see. It's just almost a cycle now. And uh, it's truly treated like a, a short term business, you know, almost like right. a pop up shop put out pump out a couple of artists if they happen to have staying power good for them you know what i mean if not again we move on to the next yeah i think um it, it's it's fat do you think it's going to continue to like do you think there's any going to be be any kind of like reversion back to doing things that like writing songs with the intent of having having them have staying power because i mean like you said there are so many things like the lyrics in it people won't be able to relate to like it, people if they mention like instagram in a song it's like people in 20 years are gonna have no idea what that is and they're not gonna be able to relate relate to that so do you think people are gonna like or music is gonna continue to be pumped out that is specific to just think about quick hits or do you think people are gonna switch back to wanting to have it have staying power I mean, honestly, that's going to be up to, to the consumer. The consumer is still telling point. the market that we don't want to buy full albums. We want to create our own playlists. I like these two or three songs from your album. The consumer is telling us they want stuff quick still. Um, I think you just have to have that balance. You know, like I love the song that Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack put out, Leave the Door Open. And it's got that old 60s, 70s feel to it. it I mean, I think it just hit number one on the Billboard charts. And I champion that because I go, okay. This is a song that has stay staying power and it reached number one. So it's telling you too that cool. the consumer is telling us two things. Yeah, they'd like the fast food music, but if you give us some more legacy music, we're willing to take that as well and honestly run with that more. So 
I think it's both of us working together. You know, it's artists going, let me let me write something that's timely, okay, that relates to the general public. Then on top of that, this writing this timely music was something that'll be timely in 10 years, 20 years. Topics that literally can go back again and say, hey, this is a subject that we're still dealing with. We're still fighting for. We're still working towards an end goal. And just getting back to making, taking the time to make good, pure music that, you know, sounds good, that has care and passion. And when you hear it, you go, now, this is a really good, well-written song. You know what I mean? And it yeah. hits you that way. So give and take with it. Consumers got to want it. Now, artists got to give it. Yeah. So to kind of round out that part of the conversation, like like literally I have this conversation with people a lot of times. Like what? So what do you personally think is going to be playing in restaurants and going to be playing, you know, in these these different environments that have the music that's currently being played from the 70s, 80s, 90s and that kind of stuff. What do you what do you see is going to be played in, you know, the years to come, decades to come? I'm going to say legacy music because even though I'm not a big, you know, time act, I'm blessed to get a lot of great things. Tons of my music plays in restaurants and malls and, and I mean, all types of different stores around the world, not just here in America. And the reason for that is the content in my music. My music is, is I don't want to say safe, but again, when you write music that's about everyday life, it's considered safe because we're living everyday life. When you're out the box, <laughs> you're talking about some you know crazy things or things that has to be censored a lot or maybe not as accepted in our society. Even the biggest artist runs the risk of not having their music playing in every venue because of their content. So my content has staying power without me being really big. And especially in the licensing market, I have hit records in a licensing market that's been in tons of TV shows, movies, video games that have never seen the light of radio because I don't have that radio money, you know, to get my stuff on there. Gotcha. No, I, I, I hope so. I mean, I think, uh, like, like I said, I, I don't think the same music is going to be played that's currently being played is going to be played decades from now, but it's not the stuff that's being necessarily made today, I don't think. So I want to kind of dive into a little bit of how you go about your your songwriting process you know you you talk about how you always want your things to have a message you want to your music to be about the things that you stand for so when you're going into a, a songwriting session i know you re recently kind of released a new album what is the what do you start in regards to like the songwriting session do you do you start with like what is the message that i want to get from this album or how does that kind of how does that work uh, it always starts with an inspiration. You know, it could be a topic that's bothering me that I, I say, hey, I want to put this into music form and deliver it to the masses. It could be a collaboration where I'm having a discussion with a friend, you know what I mean? And he's telling me, you know, hey, I got an email from this person and da da da, here is the story. And it'll give me inspiration to go, you know, I want to tackle that topic. Uh, I would say I'm definitely in a more organic space, you know, as my career has progressed, I, I used to write every little thing down in a song. And then I got to a point where I would just write kind of notes down of how I wanted things I wanted to cover, I would say. And a lot of times I don't even write my hooks or even bridges at all. I just kind of figure them out when I get in the booth and see what the feeling is. And uh, I think this as you become more of a veteran musician and me, I've been songwriting for a long time. I've been used to being under the pressure cooker of having to write a full song in two to three days to deliver to networks and different things like that. So with me, I more enjoy the organic process of, you know, what is this inspiration and idea? What is it going to flourish and turn into? So a lot of my recent work I've done, I've been working with honestly in studios with full bands you know with piano player guitar player bass player 
um, organ, you know, just different musical elements and not going in there trying to create a genre of music at all. I did a whole project down in Nashville with a good buddy of mine. His name is Corey Caldo and uh, one of the best piano players I know. And uh, it's actually a, a project that Episcopal Church is sponsoring and Bishop Curry as well. And again, I'm not a super big religious guy, but our missions were all the same, you know, that we want to do music with a purpose that has a message. We want to create diversity. They're looking to have a more diverse church. And uh, so I was glad that they tapped someone like me who they found, though I'm not a, I want to say a straight church going guy, but they saw that my beliefs aligned with theirs and they found, you know, one of the best ways to help them connect to a more diverse audience is, you know, collaborate with artists that they may normally not talk to or want to make music with. And so it's been such a great experience for everybody involved in it. And then I have a whole nother album, which is more, I would say, hip hop based, but it's called Bittersweet. And it's just about literally how we went through this bittersweet uh, era of 2020, which we know was just full of not just COVID and issues with the presidency, but there was story after story in 2020 that it just felt like a big movie. Yeah. So uh, I kind of put that all together into one album called Bittersweet. So you kind of, you start with, like you said, like an, an inspiration or a kind of an end goal or end message in mind. And then you just kind of start, start going and see what kind of comes out of it. Correct. Correct. Yep. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. Keep That's... it organic, man. I don't, I, it's almost detrimental. I feel to me at this point in my career to try to jot everything down because I would find myself sometimes about to go to record and go, oh, well, I want to change this. So I got another idea. And if you kind of keep things open, you can still create while you're also in the process, you know, recording. And I'm not saying this works for everybody. This is kind of where the level I've reached personally, as far as writing music. Yeah. And so it's, it sounds like the songwriting process has definitely evolved over, over your career. What's maybe one of the things that you wish you knew earlier on in the songwriting process, or maybe that like your current version of yourself would have told the older version of yourself in regards to the songwriting process that maybe would have helped you, um, move along quicker or just would have benefited you at an earlier time? I would say early in my career, I loved hip hop so much. That's all I wanted to write. And I was kind of shutting off my skills because I can write pop music really well, R&B music really well. I have a classical background as well. And I literally would just do hip hop, hip hop, hip hop, hip hop. And it wasn't until actually I had a meeting with Universal Music Group and I remember they told me, you know, we love your music, but we just don't hear any singles in here. We don't hear anything that we could put on the radio. And it hit me because in my mind, I said, I can write singles, but why am I not doing it? And it was that first time that I really questioned myself. Why am I shutting myself off from writing all these different forms of music or even striving to say, hey, let me write a radio single. Let me let that be the focus while still infusing my message within that single. And uh, it was that moment that you know, really opened my mind and said, I really don't want to just do hip hop. You know, I, there's so many different forms of music that I love that I can write. And once I started infusing that, my career just really took off. That's awesome. That's awesome. Is And it might be, it might be this decision that you, you kind of made here, but is there a decision that you made earlier on in your career that ended up being a super important decision that you made, but you didn't really realize the significance of it early on? We're going to take a brief pause in the interview really quickly because if you're somebody who is looking to achieve a fitness goal or maybe you lack motivation to get into the gym, you lack some structure in your in your weekly routine, or maybe you've been wanting to get back into the fitness game and get back to maybe your weight loss goal or whatever goal it is, and you're not really quite sure how. If that sounds like you, my 10-week program is for you because I help everybody set a very specific goal. 
then we create a very specific strategy of the two or the three things that we need to do every single week that we believe are going to make us successful with our overall goal. And that'll help you execute and I'll help you hold you accountable every single week. So you do the things that you kind of know you should be doing, but you're, you're not quite doing them right now. And that's what I've done with hundreds of people over the past 365 days, over the past a little over a year. And I want you to make sure that you are part of it as well. And enough for me, I want you to hear from the people who have done it in the past, what they've got out of it and, and why they did it in the first place. So here you go. I cannot say enough good things about Nick's 10 week program. I have always been somebody who has worked out but never really had a fitness goal. If anything I really wanted to achieve, it was more so just to stay in shape. And Nick does a great job of helping you not only define the goal, but also realize what steps you need to take to get there. Tomorrow, as of my weigh-in week nine, I hit my goal of losing 25 pounds in 10 weeks. Just the whole methodology of the program with it being one big goal, followed by some smaller goals to help me reach that big goal and then the weekly commitments to help me reach those smaller goals. During these times, it's helped strengthen my mental health and strengthen my focus and really made sure to hold me accountable to my goals. I'm so happy that I was able to hit the goal and uh, so much so that I decided to do another 10 weeks with Nick. I would recommend it to anybody, no matter what your goals are, if it's weight loss, if it's running a shorter mile, if it's anything you would like to achieve, I think that this program gives you the tools to set yourself up for success. But one of the biggest benefits for me, and the biggest takeaway I had was one I wasn't necessarily set out to improve upon, and that was building more self-confidence and really instilling self-accountability. The program was great. Um, I'm doing it again a second time to continue my weight loss, and I just can't recommend it enough. So again, guys, if you lack motivation, if you lack structure, if you want to get back into your fitness game, but you're not really sure how, then I want you to make sure you go to nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs. Again, nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs to learn more. For now, let's get back to the interview. I would say, man, music licensing. You know, I knew that it could create long-term money, you know, for an independent musician, especially if you just never reach that big plateau. But I didn't, I didn't really think... Uh, I guess as long-term as I thought, I said, you know, I'll make a little money here and there, but I've made an exorbitant amount of money through music licensing and it really supported my career for several years um, until I got to a level where, you know, I tour literally, literally six months out of a year, you know, pre-COVID I would, yeah. but it carried me, man, because I think a lot of independent artists would tell you, you know, you earn more money off licensing and touring and doing shows than you ever were off streaming and downloads because mm. they pay you nickels and dimes and you really got to get millions and millions of those for them to count. It's unlike going into a store and buying a CD. Those actually were worth money. Uh, so, you know, I think seeing the benefits of music licensing and really understanding that. You know, we watch TV or bits and pieces of TV every day, and you're always hearing music a part of everything, commercials, yeah. shows, movies, everything has music in it. And if you can just turn your mind and go, hey, as long as I'm taking care of my family, as long as I'm getting my music and things that'll be here forever, movies last forever. To yeah. me, that's more timeless than any record you can put out on Spotify, man, is getting your music on something that's around forever. Because, I mean, at this point, we study movies in college. There's you know, groups, they come together, you know, there's critics that review movies. Yeah. Movies are here to stay forever along with the music. That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. And it's funny because I don't think, um, like, I don't think I really realized 
the music like music licensing really was a thing and and until I moved to Nashville and started to be around more singer songwriters and, and stuff like that and people have like you said songs and commercials songs and movies songs and video games songs and all different things and there's just so much music out there to be to be made and like you said a, a lot of it can have a staying power as well because a lot of those things are, are never going to be gone is there anything that you feel like you currently need to work on the most that would allow you to take your career to the next level is there any like i need that like if i could work on or hone in on this skill or if i could have this experience, or if I could just have a little bit more knowledge in this area, it would really help even to even take me to the next level or, or closer to where I want to be. Is there anything like that for you right now? Yeah, I think finding, I've done a good job, I think, of finding the right partnerships for my business. So, you know, when I release certain things, I know I can go to certain companies that have my best interests. But I think the one thing I've lacked a lot of my career with a lot of, I have a lot going on all the time, but I don't have a regular publicist. Mm. Uh, someone that has those, I would say, really good connections to press. I have my own, you know, because I run my own business, but I'm also an artist. So there's certain press that they just won't talk to me because I play that double role as I'm a business owner, but they're also, okay, you're an artist too. So there's going to be a point where you're going to come back around for your stuff. So they literally won't talk to me for that. So one of the things I'm actually doing right now, just because I have other acts on my label, is getting a good publicist that understands the mission, understands the type of music that's coming out, just not from myself, but my other artists, and that has really good connections that as we release music can really get it to the proper channels that benefit myself. Or, you know, when I had my punk rock artists from Ukraine, when they release something that is getting to the right press outlets for punk rock music or when I have, I have an R&B singer from Haiti, when he releases his music, which is more based with Afro beats, you know, having the right outlets that his music is reaching the right people. So that part of the game hasn't changed. You still got to have, I would say, those right people in place that have the proper connections to get your music in the right place. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That's that's interesting. I think it's always, uh, it's always interesting to ask and, and see if people... Are, are thinking about those things that like, what, what is it that's going to take you to the next level? Because then I, I hope sometimes that when I ask people that question, they're like, Oh, that's, what's going to take me to the next level. That's what I need to really start honing in on it and focusing on now moving forward. Um, well, before I ask the last question here, uh, Ward Smith, I just want to acknowledge you because seriously, when I, when I listened to the podcast with, with you and Darian, you and your brother, I was really inspired by how it is that you go about make, making music and how unique it is because so many people out there, like you said, are trying to just make fast food and trying to get a quick hit and trying to have something blow up, but it's not going to have any staying power and it doesn't have any necessarily mission behind it. And you said you're not not to knock any people, but you know, someone like Drake, you don't really know what he stands for. Sure, he makes great music, but you don't really know what message that is that he's trying to get across. And, and so many people don't have the ambition or, or really almost like the courage to be different and 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 and. Uh, exude their message in their work and so i think it's really cool that you have the ability to do that thank you so much thank you i appreciate you saying that Nick. of course of course well i know everybody wants to uh is going to want to go follow you and and go learn more about you if they don't already so make sure you guys go follow him on instagram at wordsmith music uh and you can find him at wordsmithmusic.com he's on facebook and twitter uh at wordsmith as well any other place that people should go uh follow you and support you 
Uh, definitely. You can reach my label site, especially if you want to hear some of the other artists on the label. It's newrevcamp.com. And then also my nonprofit is risewiththepurpose.com. And I'm actually currently fundraising right there to open up a permanent music school out here in my city. Uh, just because we unfortunately don't have any music education in our public schools. And me, as much as music's done for me, I can't let that happen. So if you want to donate or you're passionate about having the arts in your community, uh, please definitely visit risewiththepurpose.com and donate. Perfect. Perfect. I'll have that all linked up in the show notes. Uh, well, uh, well, Wordsmith, the last question is, I think that getting closer to the best version of yourself is both a constant journey. And I think it's a unique journey. I think the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is a little bit different than the way that you're going to get closer to the best version of yourself. So for you personally, if there are three things that you can currently do or currently work on to get closer to that best version of yourself, to get closer to that best, best Anthony Parker, that best wordsmith that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on? Uh, just continue to exude perseverance. You know, we're we're always going to have, you know, I would say triumphs and failures come at you on a daily basis. And you got to have that balance in life and just learn to persevere through those things. Um, I would say something else is just continue to work on not having any judgment on my mind. You know, I don't try to be a person that judges others. I try to enhance people's spirits and uh, how unique they are. So just continue to stay on that path of no judgment. And I would say the third one is uh, just continue to be a great example, you know, in my community. I think it's important to not so much consider yourself a role model, but your actions and the words come out of your mouth can mean a lot to people. So just really try to be a great example to those around me and those that, you know, might look up to me and the things that I do. I love it. I love it, man. Well, you're definitely uh, currently living that out and being a great example. That's for sure. I really appreciate your time today. Uh, It was awesome, man. Man, thank you so much. I appreciate the questions a lot, Nick, man. They uh, meant a lot to me. And thank you for doing your research on me. And, and most of all, just have me on the Best You podcast. It's a great thing that you're doing here. And bro, I love your spirit too, man. I can tell you're a very positive person and you're here to impact lives as well. And I've seen that in some of your uh, workout videos too, man. So congrats <laughs> to you also. Well, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it, man. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, seeing you down here in Nashville sometime. Definitely. I'll definitely be down there soon, man. All right. <laughs> awesome. Thanks a lot, Nick. Such an awesome episode with Wordsmith. I loved hearing about his viewpoints on music and how so many artists right now just sound the same. They're just putting out music that might be a hit today, but it won't have any staying power long term. I thought it was really cool how passionate he is about making music with a message, making music with a purpose, and making music that actually has staying power. Be sure you share this episode with a friend or family member. Be sure to rate it and review it on iTunes and Apple Podcast app. Be sure to check out Wordsmith at wordsmithmusic.com and go check out his nonprofit at risewithapurpose.com, where he's looking to build a school based around music education in his home city of Baltimore. And if you're interested in having a clear path to hit your fitness goal, then go to nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs. Again, nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs. My favorite part about this episode is when he talks about his realization that the music that he made early on did not align with his true self. And then he had the courage to find out why and then to adjust his music writing style because of it. And now he's music making music in a way that aligns with who he is, what he stands for, and that it's making a lasting impact. This is a lesson that anyone in any career can really apply to their lives, to do work that is in alignment with your true self. There's no doubt in my mind that if you do that, it will get you closer and closer to your best you. Best you.